You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 93 this morning. Decided on Psalm 93 two weeks ago, uh, prior to the election, figuring regardless of what took place on November 3rd and thereafter, Psalm 93 would be uh, a good word for us this morning. And as you're turning there, a question to consider. What song have you been singing in the year 2020? What's been the song of your heart in this very interesting year? Have you been singing a joyful song? Have you been singing a somber song? You've been singing a song of victory. Have you been singing a song of defeat? Is it a cheerful song in a major key? Is it a solemn, somber song in a minor key? What are you singing about? What's the song of your heart directed at? Or what, or what consumes it? Are you singing about yourself? Are you singing about the world and the things happening in the world. To whom have you been singing? Are you singing to yourself? Are you, is, is the song of your heart directed towards the world? Is the song of your heart directed towards God? If we're not singing with our voices, we are always singing with our hearts. Our hearts are always rejoicing in something. And often, even simultaneously, often our hearts are, are often lamenting something. Our hearts are always hoping in something. And if you don't know what song, what's been the theme of your heart in 2020, ask a close friend or ask your spouse. Amy's been kind enough to kindly point out the song she thinks I've been singing from time to time. And if I'm honest, the song of my heart is not always something I would want others to know. The song of my heart is not always biblically informed. The song of my heart is, is, is not always rejoicing in what God says is true and beautiful and good. The song of my heart is not always filled with the Spirit and 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 full of the words of, of Christ. We, we know that God likes music. Uh, the longest book of the Bible is a book of songs. God designed human beings to sing. Human beings can't help but sing. You can travel anywhere in the world. You can far, travel as far into the desert or into the jungle or wherever as you want, and you will find human beings singing. We can't help but sing. God designed His, His people to sing. There, there's hints that even going back to the very beginning that Adam and Noah sang. We know for sure that Moses and the people of Israel sang. We know that King David sang and that the Levites sang. The prophet Zephaniah tells us that even God sings. And so we're, we're not surprised in the New Testament to find that God's people are a singing people, a, uh, in Ephesians 5, as God's children of light who are filled with His Spirit, we are people who will sing 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Or in, in, in Colossians 3, as, as we put off our old selves, characterized by worldly sin, and as Christ's word dwells in us, his, his peace ruling our hearts, we will be united as a people in love, exemplified by our singing together. And so, as Christians have gathered for 2,000 years, on, on Resurrection Day, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, they have sang. God's people are a singing people. And, and one of the songs that we have begun to sing this year at Sovereign Grace is Psalm 93. And, and, and as, we're, uh, as long as we're singing it, I thought it would be helpful and a, prudent to take an extended look at it this morning. If, if you're like me, you need to be singing Psalm 93 in 2020 and, and beyond. Uh, by, by God's grace, we have Psalm 93. And, and Lord willing, we will sing Psalm 93 before we, we leave today. Let's look at the words of Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Father, your words are very trustworthy. They are sure. They are very sure. They are fully confirmed. And we gather this morning underneath your word so that our hearts, our hearts would be captured by your word. So by your grace, and in spite of our weakness and our sin and our fallenness, capture us this morning with your word. Give us life according to your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 93 is a, is a psalm that's part of a series of psalms that that recognize God as the ruler of the world or the king of the world. Uh, Psalm, this is Psalms 93 through 99 here in book 4 of, of the Psalter. Uh, God is ruler or the king of the world by virtue of the fact that he created the world and, and that he governs the world. And so as creator and sustainer, he has the right to judge the world. And then he has the ability to save his, his people. And this is essentially what we see here in, in Psalm 93. That the beginning recognizes the Lord is king. Verses 1 and 2 rejoice in the Lord's rule over the world. Verses 3 and 4 rejoice in the Lord's rule over the seas. And then in verse 5, the psalmist rejoices in the Lord's rule from Jerusalem where he is present in the temple. And so just looking through or working through it very quickly, it begins with this proclamation, this exclamation, the Lord reigns. There's, there's two Hebrew words 
there that, uh, that could just as easily be translated, the Lord is King. Uh, and those two words are only found in this section of the Psalter, here in, in, in Psalms 93 through 99. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Most cultures, uh, ours included, have, have this concept of we dress for particular activities. So we have work clothes and we have uh, formal clothes. We have workout clothes. We have yard work clothes. Uh, maybe you have church clothes. Uh, our girls have uh, a wardrobe of church clothes that is uh, fully funded by their grandmother. And they're so excited for Sunday for, for church clothes. Uh, the, the Old Testament scholar Alec Motyer reminds us that, that clothing in the Old Testament has, has very often has symbolic significance depicting what a person is and, and also depicting what a person has set himself to do. And we know that God isn't literally clothed. God is, God is spirit, but, but God puts on, as it were, majesty pointing to who he is and what he intends to do. He, he rules. He reigns. And, and in royal fashion, he exercises dominion over the world because the Lord is king. And he does this very well. He does this very effectively. He has put on strength as his belt. Israel's God in Psalm 93 is majestic and strong. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. Because the world is established, and it is established by God. The Lord, or Yahweh, you'll notice that depending on your translation, every single instance of the word Lord is probably all in caps, designated that this isn't just generic Lord or ruler, but this is, this is the personal name for God that God revealed to Moses in the episode with the burning bush. This is, this is God who made promises to Abraham and revealed himself to Moses and rescued his people out of Egypt. This is the Lord Yahweh, and, and, and he as creator of the whole world is very different from all the other gods that, of the, of the different narratives that people believed at the time. Other ancient pagan beliefs describe creation as something that that occurs through chaos or it occurs through conflict between different deities or it it occurs as a result of randomness. It's it's not that different. We have very similar beliefs as you uh, survey the landscape today. Israel's God is understood as the God, though, who creates out of his own good pleasure. He has, there, there's, he's not dependent on us at all. He, there is no need. We don't fulfill any longing in him. He creates the world on his own, through his word, out of his own good pleasure. He is the everlasting God. His, his kingly throne is established. And on that, on that basis, the world, the earth is established. The world shall never be moved, it says. And it's not, saying is that the world is somehow just innately immovable. It, it can't be moved by anyone apart from God's will. The, the earth continues established on the basis of, of who God is, on the basis of God's power. So you, you can wake up tomorrow morning and, and the laws of thermodynamics and photosynthesis and, and gravity, you can count on them being the same because of, of the God who never changes, who established the world. 
He upholds it. He, he does so, as it were, from His throne. God's throne is, a, is described as being established from of old. Uh, not communicating that he, there was a time when He wasn't ruling from His, his throne. Uh, it clearly says that God is eternal in verse 2. You are from everlasting. But, but the earth is not eternal. The, the, the earth has a finite history. And, and in terms of earthly history, God's throne is established from of old, as far back as, as, as you can go. So God rules over the earth as its creator and sustainer. And, and then we also see God's majesty in his rule over the seas. In verses 3 and 4, we read of the floods and, and of the thunder of many waters, the waves of the sea. Uh, the, the floods and chaotic waters are a significant theme throughout, throughout Scripture. And in, in creation, God is depicted as, as, as bringing order through, uh, bringing order the chaotic waters that, that exist. When He creates the world, God then sends the floods of judgment in the days of Noah. And then He brings order once again. He, when He brings calm and when the floods subside and the, the waters go down and the land comes back up again, God leads His people through the waters in the Red Sea, in, in the Exodus, parting it in this miraculous moment to, to, to deliver them. And then he uses those waters to judge Israel's enemies who follow behind them. Uh, when you think of judgment, there, there's basically two prime candidates, fire and water. Both are essential to us and both are incredibly destructive when they are out of control. Water is a gigantic, uncontrollable force. Every, every human being, uh, you, you look, get a look at the globe, we are surrounded by lots and lots of, of water. And, and when the floods begin to rise, there is only so much that we can do. Uh, moving to Aberdeen and um, uh, buying a house, talking to our neighbors, uh, one of the conversations that comes up again and again is the flood of, of 2007. Where, where did you live for the flood of 2007? Did you get water in your basement in, in 2000? There's only two kinds of houses in Aberdeen. The houses that got water in 2007, the houses that didn't get water in, in 2007. Our neighbor across the street, we haven't seen it, but apparently she has a picture of a boat floating in front of our the house that we live in right now from, from 2007. I, I want to see it. Two winters ago, the snow piles up so high, and everyone, what's everyone talking about in March? They're talking about flood. 2007 isn't that far away. Floods are scary. Water is good. Water is good in very manageable amounts. Floods are, are, are a symbol of, of suffering in Scripture. In, in Psalm 18, David calls upon the Lord, and he says, The cords of death encompassed me, that the torrents of destruction assailed me. The way the, the NET Bible translates this, it says that the waves of death engulfed me. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. But then, of course, texts like Psalm 65, it is God who is the one who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the tumult of the, of the peoples. Uh, floods can also be a, a symbol of, of political enemies. We have Isaiah writing things like what he writes in Isaiah 17, starting in verse 12, Ah, the thunder of many peoples. They thunder like the thundering of the sea. Ah, the roar of nations. They roar like the roaring of mighty waters. The nations roar like the roaring of many waters. God, though, in His kingly 
majesty is, is higher than the floods and the waters and the waves. The, the waters can always rise higher than us. But the waters do not ha- rise higher than, than the Lord Almighty. So, so God is, is the king of the earth. And God is the ruler of the floods. And God is also, we see, the king who rules by his word and his, his presence. So looking at verse 5. We, we read of the Lord's decrees, which, which are just his, these are his commands. This is pointing to his, his words. Once again, we're reminded that, that the Lord created the world through his word and that he sustains it by his word. Hebrews 1, 3 tells us that he upholds the universe by the word of his, his power. Uh, the, the Lord's decrees, they include his, his promises. Uh, the, the psalmist rejoices that God's decrees can be trusted. God's promises are kept and they're fulfilled. Uh, the, the Lord is not just a king. He is a king who speaks. And the words that he speaks are trustworthy words. You can, you can trust them. We also see that the Lord is a king of, of holiness who dwells with his, with his people. The, the, the one other place uh, in the Old Testament, in the whole Old Testament, where those two words that are translated, the Lord reigns, the one other place that those words are found is in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16 contains another song. It records David's song of praise after the Ark of the Covenant is, is brought to Jerusalem. You remember that the Ark of the Covenant is, is constructed out in the wilderness when they, when they build the tabernacle after being rescued from Egypt. And then eventually they bring it into the Promised Land and they come in. And for a long time it's at Shiloh. And then the, the Philistines end up with it for a while. And then they send it back. It ends up in uh, a Kiriath dream for a period of time. And then once David is, is, is king, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is brought to Jerusalem and there's this song of praise that David gives in First Chronicles 16. Biblical scholar O. Palmer Robertson writes that it, it's at that point that, that Yahweh's throne was effectively joined to David's throne. This is the only other place in the Hebrew Bible where this phrase, the Lord reigns, the Lord is king, is found. So God's purpose was to dwell with his people in the midst of his people as their ultimate king. And then he dwells with them and he rules them from his house of holiness because he is holy. Remember what happened with David's first attempt to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. They put it on a new cart, going against what God had commanded. And, and the story, of course, with Uzzah and his, his brother who are driving the, cout, the, the cart. And, and uh, uh, Uzzah puts out his hand when the oxen stumble and touches the ark and God strikes him down. He underestimated God's holiness. God is a king who rules from his throne in Jerusalem and holiness befits his house. So Psalm 93 reminds us that the Lord is king of his people. Uh, in the immediate context, that people, when Psalm 93 is written, is, is, is Israel. God is a king who dwells with them in or by his house, in his house, his temple. And he is a king who is holy. And he demands that any who come into his presence must be holy also. And verse 5, holiness befits his house forever. So the Lord is king. The Lord is king of all the earth. The Lord is king over the seas. And the Lord is king who rules his people by his word in holiness. And 
I'd like to make the case that we need to sing this song in 2020. We need this song in our hearts in a year like 2020. We, we need to be singing words like what we find in Psalm 93 because these are words of confrontation, these are words of comfort, and these are words of confidence. And we, we need all three of those things. Psalm 93 confronts those who read it. Uh, it, it, it's, it confronts the narrative of, of this world. Uh, in one sense, Psalm 93 is, is just a summary of the message of the whole Bible. The Lord is king. The Lord is mighty and trustworthy and, and holy. So turn away from your sin and rejoice in his majesty. That is not what the world does. That is not the world's narrative. The world's narrative is there is no God. Or if there is a God, he, he's like us and he can be enticed and he can be manipulated, manipulated just, like, just like us. The, the world's narrative is that, that human rulers are God. Human rulers are the ones who can solve our problems, who, who can deliver us blessedness. Human rulers can bring us to the promised land. Human rulers can, can bring us ultimate security. Uh, the world's narrative is, is you can be God. You can decide your fate. You can decide what is, is true. You can decide what is holy and unholy, what is clean and unclean. You can decide who is righteous and then who is unrighteous. You can set your own standard. You can decide which parts of the Bible are reasonable and which parts aren't so reasonable. The, the world's narrative is there, is there is no God. Human rulers are the ones we should look to. You, you look to yourself. You can be God. The Bible's narrative is very different. Psalm 93 confronts those narratives and says, the Lord reigns. The Lord puts on strength as his, his belt. His throne is established. He is from everlasting. He is not like us. He cannot be manipulated. He cannot be bribed. The Lord reigns. R regardless of whoever the earthly king is, the emperor, the prime minister, the president, who, whoever the media outlets call the election winner, uh, whoever resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the Lord reigns. He reigns regardless of what you think of him. He reigns regardless of whether you believe in him. He, he reigns regardless of whether you find him credible or not. He, he reigns whether you think he's old-fashioned or not. He, he reigns whether or not you think he's doing a good job. There's ultimately only two kinds of people in the world. There's those who acknowledge and rejoice in his reign, and then there's people who refuse to acknowledge and despise his, his reign. There's those who believe his decrees are trustworthy and those who, those who do not. The Lord reigns. Psalm 93 confronts the, the narratives of this world that are everywhere you can, everywhere you can look. But it doesn't just confront the world. Psalm 93 also confronts us. It confronts us in our sin. Why are there these dangerous, threatening waters? Why the reminder that, that in verse 5, that holiness is the only thing suitable in God's presence? Because we are not holy. Because our lives are characterized by sin. By missing the standard of 
God's mark. Left, left to ourselves and, and inherited from our first parents, we resist the kingship of God. The, the Lord reigns, and ipso facto, that means you do not reign. He is sovereign. You are his subject. He sets the standards. You follow them. He sets the parameters, and then you stay within them. But we do not want to be ruled like that. We don't, we don't respond enthusiastically to those ideas. We want to be free. We want to be liberated from these constraints. And from the very, very beginning, there has been a serpent promising us liberation if we will listen to him. Promising us things like, if you limit yourself to God's decrees, you will never be happy. He is not trustworthy. Psalm 93.5 says, your decrees are very trustworthy. Psalm 93 confronts sinful people. We, we, we were made in majesty. Psalm, Psalm 8 begins this, this, this uh, rejoicing in God, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But going down to verse 4, Psalm 8 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his, under his feet. We were made in the image of the God of majesty. And just as God is robed in majesty, he made us to be robed in majesty in his image. But our majesty is marred by sin. We don't experience God and His majesty like we ought to. We don't experience the majesty we were made for. And, and there's a reason that we feel out of place in a world of coronavirus and, and divided nations and corruption and riots and death. This doesn't seem right. This doesn't, something's not quite right here. That's because it's not quite right. Psalm 93 is a counter-narrative to all the false narratives in a world that is lost. And it reminds us that sin is not just something that exists out there. Sin is something that exists in here. Which is a little more troubling. The song in my heart all too often fails to sing. The Lord is King. The Lord reigns. Psalm 93 is a word of confrontation, reminding us, heralding to us, the Lord reigns. It doesn't just confront us, though. Psalm 93 is also a word of, of comfort. The Lord is mightier than the flood. Look at verse 3. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. It's this, this repeated three times. This almost seems, almost seems to allude to the experience of, of a flood. Just, uh, again, it's repeated again and again, the flood's rising higher and, and, and higher. Just when you think it's going to stop, another wave comes. Uh, th- this is our experience in a fallen world. How often does the world feel out of control? Like, there's so many things that we just would love to have a handle on, but there's, we're not even close to having a handle on this. It's, it's overwhelming. It's lifting up and lifting up and lifting up. And if it's not literal floods we're concerned about, it's any other number of affliction, afflictions or, or struggles that can seem to rise higher and higher out of control. Health issues, financial issues, family 
issues, parenting issues, civic issues, depression, anxiety. Uh, the, the floods certainly seem to be rising higher and higher last April for everyone at the same time. You mix in a health crisis with a economic crisis with a political crisis with a civic and a social crisis. That's an interesting pot. And it isn't over. When will it end? We don't know. So what do we do? We read and embrace and sing Psalm 93, 4. Mightier than the thunders of many waves. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. The floods might easily overwhelm us, but the floods do not overwhelm Yahweh, who on high is mighty. One can't help but remember the Lord Almighty incarnate out in a boat on a stormy night, boats being swamped by waves, and he's asleep in the stern. And the disciples wake him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Mark 4, 39, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Too, too often, the, we, are, we are too afraid of the waves, and we are not afraid enough of the one who sends the waves and calms the waves. And not only is he, he higher and, and mighty, but, but he has also made decrees. He's made promises to us. And this is one of the other ways Psalm 93 comforts. The Lord's decrees are very trustworthy. We're reminded that we can trust the Almighty God. His, his decrees, again, His decrees are His words. Uh, just a summary of how a couple other translations translate this. So His decrees are, are very trustworthy. They're completely reliable. They're, they are fully confirmed. They are very sure. So, so when we're asking, can I really handle this trial right now and maybe it's not something new maybe it's can i really go through this again something that comes back again and again is it really worth resisting this temptation right now answer his decrees his promises his assurance of his nearness and refining touch on your life are very trustworthy he reigns over each and every situation, each and every story. Finally, we're, we're, we can be comforted by just who he is. The Lord is the eternal and everlasting God of majesty. His, his decrees are trustworthy forevermore because he, he is the eternal and everlasting God. To, to be eternal and everlasting is to be immutable which is to say it's, it's to be unchangeable. He does not change. So our decrees are not trustworthy. We're, we're, we think one thing today and we think another thing tomorrow. We constantly change. God's decrees are trustworthy forever because He is the Lord forever. The, the, the majestic God who created the world. He was majestic before the world was created. He'll be majestic after the world fades away. And this is the God 
who sent his majestic son. Peter says in, in 2 Peter at the trans, at transfiguration that they were they beheld, they were eyewitnesses to Jesus' majesty. But Jesus' majesty, in an, even in incarnate form, was, was, was marred so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we who rebel against the Lord could be restored to the Lord who reigns. So what we have Isaiah writing in chapter 53, verse 2, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus did not only die in shame, he was also raised in in victory. So that now when we sing Psalm 93, it has even more significance. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. He is robed in majesty. He has put on strength as his belt. He is mightier than the waves of the sea. His decrees are very trustworthy. So step down off your throne, human sinner. Turn away from your sin and place your hope in Christ alone. No one unclean or unholy can enter his presence. Only through His blood can we be clean and holy. We, we sang last week, there's, there's nothing that my hands can do to save my guilty soul. I cannot cleanse my filthy stains or make my spirit whole. For nothing but the blood of Christ can all my sins erase. I dare not claim my righteousness, but hide within His grace. Come, hide within His grace. The king offers amnesty right now. And he he will not forever because he will come to judge and be rid of all evil one day. But how comforting that our sins are forgiven. Psalm 93 is comforting. Finally, it gives us confidence. Uh, we, we are not promised an easy life. There's no promises for an easy life. There's no promises for healthy life. There's no promises for wealth and riches. We, we are not promised safety. We're not promised comfort. Oof. But the Lord reigns. The Lord Reigns. He is not a new king. His, his throne is established from of, of, from of old. He's mightier than any of the waves that he ultimately sovereignly will send our way. We, we are not promised safety, but our sins are forgiven. We have been granted citizenship in his kingdom. So what, what sort of people ought we to be in light of Psalm 93? Uh, the, the last eight months have revealed a lot of ugliness in our country, in our society. Coronavirus didn't create this ugliness. It, it exposed ugliness that was, was already there. It's as if God's decided with 2020, he's going to shake up the pop bottle just a little bit, and we're, we're watching what's coming out. What is God doing? 2020? 
What, what kind of story is he writing here? What's the end game in, in the short term? What's the end game in the, in the long term with this? I don't know. Christians, though, have, have an opportunity in, in coming years. We can be fearful like the rest of society. There's a lot of fear right now. We can huddle up and hide from anything that might hurt us. We can be angry like the rest of society. There's a lot of anger right now. Angry that things aren't going our way. Angry that more people aren't listening to us. We can, we can just check out. We can escape into Netflix or fitness or gaming or sports or, or whatever worldly pre- pleasure. We, we can come up out of the basement in four years, check and see if it's safe, a little safer anyway. Or we can live like Psalm 93 is true. Like the Lord reigns. Rather than fear, rather than anger, rather than just checking out, we can get busy. We can get busy loving one another. We can get busy working. We can get busy building relationships with one another and investing in the local church. We can get busy building relationships with unbelievers. Get busy building strong marriages. Get building build building strong families. You can get busy teaching our children to know the Lord of majesty. We can get busy studying the Lord's trustworthy decrees. The state of the church is not good knowing God's word where we live. Those who claim to be Christians. You know why the, there's, there's so many Christians that look just like the world. They're just as scared or they're just as angry. They don't know God. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. That's, that's either a nice poetic sentiment or that's, that's worth investing your whole life seeking after. What's your home like? Is it apparent that the Lord reigns in majesty? In the way that you speak to your spouse or your kids? Is, is your home a joyful place? Is it, is it apparent by the way you live your life that the Lord reigns? In the way that you relate to others? In the way you just, you just go about your, your business? The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. It's either a nice religious platitude or it's a gigantic geopolitical reality. Like for real. And if it's the latter, what sort of people ought we to be? What sort of church ought we to be going into this next season? I think in light of Psalm 93, it ought to be a, a church of confidence and a church of joy. I don't say that to, to underestimate any of the, the, the things, the, the challenges, and, and, the, and the real threats. But if Psalm 93 is true, there, there should be a strange contentment at sovereign grace. If, if Psalm 93 is true, there should be a steady joy at sovereign grace, a, a puzzling sense of community here. Should be a heart for lost fellow sinners 
here. There should be a joyful song in our hearts. There should, there should be an authentic enjoyment of God's world at Sovereign Grace. Why? Because our sins are forgiven by the Lord who reigns. Uh, the, the world is under condemnation. The world is guilty. It, it, their gods are as good as Baal was in, in the Old Testament. It makes sense why there's fear and anger and escapism everywhere you look. Uh, if, if you're not a Christian this morning, the, the good news is that your sins can be forgiven. The, the, the Lord who reigns has spoken. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So turn away from your sins. Put your hope in Him. And and join us in following Him. Uh, We we are not perfect followers. We have a long ways to go at Sovereign Grace, but He's working on us. And if you're a Christian, let Psalm 93 confront you this morning. Let it confront the false worldly narratives that it is so easy to believe again. Let it confront any sin that you've been indulging in. The Lord reigns. Let Psalm 93 comfort you this morning. If you're sad or or depressed or anxious or just weary, the Lord reigns. He's mightier than the floods that roar against us. His words are trustworthy forever. Let, Let Psalm 93 give you confidence this morning. God is writing His story. He is writing the story of our lives. He's writing the story of our church. And whether our lives are long or short, whether He writes into our story uh, a season that seems boring or a season that seems adventurous, whether He leads us through green pastures or whether He leads us through dark valleys, the Lord is King. And the good news is we don't, we don't need to check any projections. We don't need, there, there are no elections. There are no recounts. There are no lawsuits. There is no uncertainty about transition of power. The Lord is King. So I don't know what song you've been singing in, in 2020, but as people filled with the Spirit of Christ, with, with the Word of Christ dwelling in us, who are united together in love. Psalm 93 needs to be in our hearts and on our lips as we continue to be faithful, a faithful presence in Aberdeen and ultimately to the ends of the earth. The Lord reigns forevermore. Let's pray. Father, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. How many generations have come before us? You have established the earth and it stands. By your appointment, all things stand that stand today. All people stand who stand today. All things are ultimately your servants. If we do not delight in you, we will have no delight at all. And we will perish in affliction. But Father, your words give us life. Please write them on our hearts so that we never forget them. If we are lost, 
save us. When we are wandering, save us. Draw us back. Only you, ultimately only you, can make us stand. We cannot stand on our own. So we rest in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Mediator, and our King, the Lord who reigns. In Jesus' name, amen.